Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Glory to God. Well, let's just go ahead and pray before we get started. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to stand in this pulpit to share the good news of what you've done in my life, what you're doing in their life, what you're doing here on planet Earth. And Lord, I thank you for your good service. Lord, you know where every person is, what they're going through, what they, uh, what's going to be faced with the next week. And so, Lord, I thank you that you speak a word to them, a personal word just to them. And Lord, right where they are now, they receive it and say, Lord, I receive that word right now for my week. And I receive it with gladness. I thank you, Lord, for it. And I will use the word that you give me. So, Lord, I thank you as they make that declaration within their own spirit, right where they're sitting. Lord, you, you supply that word this morning to them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, last week I got, uh, it was the very first week in several weeks to be able to minister again because uh, my wife had, uh, she's a giver, and she gave me COVID. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, but she's a giver. I mean, that's what givers do, they give. And uh, she gave it to me, and uh, I didn't get mad at her or anything. It just put me out for a little bit longer than I, I wanted to be out. Felt bad about it. Didn't want to be off and away and all that kind of stuff. But uh, didn't like feeling sick either, I'll have to tell you that. And so, uh, you know, it, it's kind of interesting that over that five-week period of time, that, uh, or four weeks, whatever it was, it was a long time. Uh, one of the things that I, I grabbed a hold of was the fact that the Lord's not through with me. Amen? And I knew that. And I knew it because, see, there's things that he's placed within me, desires, things to do, places to go, people to see, that I hadn't done yet. And so I knew that I knew that I knew I can't die. I got too much to do. So I never was afraid that COVID and it was going to put me in the hospital and, and, and be my, you know, whatever. You know, I knew I wasn't going to die, but it was very uncomfortable. But, you know, to a lot of people, they don't know. They don't know. And the Lord began to share with me some things that he wanted me to do. And one of those was to write down things so that I could give it to my grandchildren and to my children and say, this is things that happened in Papa's life. And I went over that last week from that perspective of the fact that we have a heritage to leave our children. And they need it. They need it. They need to see God in you. They need to see God working through you. They need to see God's power in your household. And by doing so, when they're faced with some of the same things in the years to come, they will remember back. And it's, you know, when the Bible says, call to remembrance the former days. And that's where we started last week in Hebrews 10, 32. Call to remembrance the former days when after you were enlightened or illuminated by the word of God, you suffered a great fight of affliction. Partly while made a gazing stock and suffered reproaches and afflictions. It says you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods and so forth. And it was like, okay, joyfully, you didn't. You didn't take a loss and whining and complaining. You took joyfully. Why? Because you knew that God's word says that he's going to give it all back. And I felt that way with this whole COVID thing. I just told Marsha, I said, I'm getting double for my trouble. 
Matter of fact, everything the enemy stole from me, since he's a thief and I called him and he's a thief, and Jesus said in, in Proverbs there, the word says that if you catch a thief, he has to pay it back seven times. So I'm one of those seven-time kind of guys. I want seven times what the enemy's stolen from me. I'm not going to put up with just once. I'm not going to say, well, we just broke even. Or let me get two times. I expect seven times. But if he gave Job double for his trouble, then he can do it for me too. You know, and, 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 and things like that. And so one of the things the Lord had put in my heart, it was this scripture verse here in Psalms 105. It says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing songs unto him. Talk ye of all of his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them that rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. You know what? I want that. And you know sometimes you can forget what God has done in your life. Based upon what you're seeing right now. You can say oh yeah I remember that. But it has to be kind of like called to remember. You have to shake yourself up. Maybe sit back and, and think about it a while. You have to get stirred up. And as over the period of time. I began to think about all the miracles. That God has done in my life. And the Lord said I want you to write them down. I want you to write these things down. And pass it down to your children. And their children's children. In other words. When we get together at my house, like at Thanksgiving and Christmas, before we eat and so forth, I'm going to have them say, let's get together. I want to tell you a story, something that took place of a miracle that God did in our lives. And I'll begin to share it. I'm going to share the whole thing to them, not give them the Reader's Digest convinced version or anything, but go ahead and give it the whole story to us. We may have to start a little bit earlier than dinner time. But I want them to understand that God is real. It's not something that happened to Abraham it's not something that just happened to Isaac or Jacob or Joseph it's not something that happened to David it's not something about Moses no it's about Papa Papa had a walk with God he knew God he talked with God he fellowshiped with God and encouraged them that this is the same God they could have and they can they're, they're gonna have to come to a place in their life where it's no longer mama's and daddy's God it's their God and when it's their God, they will worship that God. They will love that God. They'll give their life to that God. But as long as it's mom and daddy's God, it's kind of like, well, you know, that's something that's, that's theirs. And I, I like it. I'm not opposed to it. But yet, you know, it's, it's not really my God. You know, I, don't, I really don't have a relationship. But they can. And that's why we have children's camps and, and youth camps so that that can happen at an early age. I believe it's to be at an early age. But even in an early age, you get to, being under peer pressure and things, and things kind of wane away, and, and you need to come back. And God's not disappointed with you. He's just glad you're back. He knew that you were coming back. But in reading this, I want to, I think it's a good wake-up call to all of us that we have a generation that's watching us. That's watching us. Over in Hebrews... In uh, chapter 2, turn over there with me to Hebrews chapter 2 this morning. We're going to start there. I made mention to you earlier that we were reading last week. And as you go to Hebrews 2, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, read something to you here at, from last week in Hebrews 10. 
in verse 32, it says, But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated or enlightened, you endured a great fight of affliction, partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. In other words, you stood with God's people. For you had compassion of me and my bonds. Now here it is, this person, the writer here, is saying, I've been locked down. I'm in bonds. He's in prison. It's one of the reasons I believe that Paul was the author of the book of Hebrews, writing to the church there. And it says here, you took, you had compassion to me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing yourself that ye have heaven, a better and enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your, rec- your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. He said, don't cast away your confidence just because I'm going through something or you're going through something. He says, for you have need of patience. That word need there is occasion. For you have an occasion where you're going to need cheerful endurance. And that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise, or you will receive the promise by his might. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and not tarry. For the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But you're not of them who draw back under perdition, but to them that believe to the saving of your soul. Now last week we made mention, I read that to you, and we went on into Hebrews chapter 1. And it, because it all, I mean, chapter 11, because it all ties together where he was saying the just shall live by faith. And we went over that last week just a little bit about the just living by faith and how important it is for us to understand that. Because he said it in Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by faith. And then Paul brought it out in Romans in, in chapter 1.17. He said the just shall live by faith. He brought it out to the church at Galatia. He said in 3.17 that the just shall live by faith. And now here again, in Hebrews chapter 10, he said, the just shall live by faith. And I think that anytime God says something four times, we ought to pay attention to it. He says at one time we ought to pay attention, but four times, he's like, he that hath ears to hear, are you hearing? You know what I'm saying? You, you need to hear. So four times, okay. So Paul understood something about this very subject. About faith. And about what was going on. Now the book, book of Hebrews. You're in chapter 2. Let's look at verse 1. And it says here. It says therefore. You ought to give the more earnest heed to the things. Which you have heard. Lest at any time. We should let them slip. Can you put that up in Amplified. I didn't give him a heads up on this. And thank you so much for serving us like that. Uh, in the sound booth. Uh, could you change that. It says since since all this is true, we ought to pay much closer attention than ever to the truths that we have heard, lest in any way we drift past them and slip away. He said here, therefore, and anytime you see a therefore, you need to go back and see what it's there for. So we need to go back to the beginning of the chapter. It says, we ought to give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Now, when Paul wrote this, I believe it was Paul, when he wrote this from prison, guess what took place? Thank you, Bill. The book of Hebrews was written about 64 A.D. 64 A.D. And so we see that it was written to the Hebrews, which is the church at Jerusalem and Judea and so forth, to the Jewish people. This was written. 
But it was written about 64 to 65 A.D. Now, Jesus died at 33 A.D. So for, from 30 to 33 A.D., people saw Jesus. The popularity, his coming on the stage, and everywhere he went, he did what he laid hands upon people. They got healed. He cast out devils. He raised the dead. People that couldn't speak can speak. People that can't hear could all of a sudden start hearing. People that were blind can see. Mothers got their sons back. Miracles took place. The, just the touching of his garment, people got healed. Started a whole touching of the garment movement. People would just reach out and touch his garment on many occasions and got healed. And they saw all of that. And then they saw there the year of opposition there where the Pharisees and Sadducees weren't too happy with Jesus because everybody was flocking to him by the multitudes. Why? Because he was preaching the kingdom, teaching the kingdom of God, and demonstrating the kingdom of God. And so everywhere he went, this is what took place, signs, wonders, and miracles, and the preaching of the kingdom of God, telling them about our Heavenly Father. Everywhere he went. Three years of this. And then it records there, and these people knew this, of the what? The, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection. They knew about how, the, 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 how he died and why he died and so forth, but they, they saw the resurrection. And then we find in the book of Acts there that they were all gathered together in one accord, as Peter was talking about this morning, and it says there that they were there upon the day of Pentecost and the Holy Ghost came in that place. Because they were all there unified together, seeking after God. He told them, says, go there and tarry and I will come. And so he shows up. The Holy Spirit just filled the place. And guess what happened? They went out and began to do the works of, of Jesus. They would go places and they were speaking in tongues and, the, and, and, and healing people. Peter and John went to the gate beautiful there at the temple and there was a guy that was laying there that had been lame all of his life and he was begging for alms and guess what, he, what happened? He says, silver and gold, I have none. That's what Peter told him. He says, but that which I do have, he had some. He said, that which I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he lifted him up and he could run and shout and scream and holler. And of course, the religious people kind of got upset. But nevertheless, it was. But it didn't stop. I mean, everywhere it was going, even the shadow of Peter, they'd lay people down in, in, in beds across the, on the roadway, and as he walked by, his shadow would heal them, and they would get up whole. Wow. What a day to live in, huh? I mean, the, the shadow of people. And then they would bring him handkerchiefs and say, will you pray over these handkerchiefs? And he would pray and bless and declare life under these handkerchiefs where they take them and they'd lay them upon their sick relatives they couldn't get out of the house. And they would get made whole and they would live. Not just Peter, not just John. Philip and Stephen and all these other ones were out doing the same thing and the church was growing just quickly. 3,000 one day, 5,000 another. And people was getting it unorganized, didn't have a clue what was happening, but they were excited, and the Spirit of God was moving. And this went on. And Paul went out. And as you know, he, he was the one that was persecuting the Christians. Had a letter there from the, the Jewish people. said, go and capture them and take them back and persecute them. And one day on his way to Damascus, guess what happened? He, got, he saw the Lord. He had an encounter with Jesus. And so from that point, he gets saved. 
filled with the Spirit. Ananias prays for him. He gets his sight back. He sends him out. So Paul now is out ministering, but he didn't go to the Jews. He went to the Gentiles. And he took the word of Jesus as for everybody to the world. And he went through all of Asia Minor, and he had four, year, four missionary trips that he went through the area and started churches and founded churches there at Antioch and, and Ephesus and, and over in Galatia and Colossia and all these places. He, Lystra and Durban, he went through all of these towns and, and started churches and all through Asia Minor. And not only were they saved, but baptized in the Holy Ghost. Signs, wonders, and miracles happening there. Read in Corinthians. Read over in these stories. You'll see it taking place. Devils cast out. Matter of fact, I was thinking about that one, the seven sons of Sceva. And they went, and they decided that they, they were, said they were vagabond Jews. It's over in Acts chapter 19. said that they were going to do, they were going to cast out some devils. And so the seven sons of Sceva got over there. And they came up to this man that was possessed with the devil, had an evil spirit. And it says there in the scriptures that they said, we adjure you, speaking to that devil and that man, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. I just riled that devil up. He come, the man jumped on all seven of them. And the Bible says that they left wounded and naked. They ran out of the house, and it said it put fear all everywhere. And I thought it was interesting that the evil spirit spoke through that man and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Who are you? Now, I can look at you and say, I'll tell you who you are. You're a child of the Most High God, and the devil knows it. And you're a child of the Most High God, and the devil knows it. And if that thought ever comes to you, you know, who are you? You just say, I'm a child of the Most High God. But they couldn't do that because they didn't know him. They didn't know him. It was Paul's God. It was Jesus. You, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but I don't know you. I don't want my grandchildren, I don't want my grandchildren not to know God. Are you hearing me? So as we go through this, he says, don't let these things slip away. So we had this revival taking place everywhere. Paul decides to go back. He goes back to, to uh, Jerusalem. And a lot took place in, in the process of that. But here's what happened. He gets over to, in Hebrews there. He's in prison now. And so he writes this letter to the Jews that were at Jerusalem and Judea, but he's not writing the letter to the people that have experienced all this for 31 years. You see, this is written in 64 to 65 AD, so we know, do the math, it's about 31 to 32 years later. Been a lot of water under that bridge. So who was he writing it to? He not only was writing it to those that were left, that actually saw those days, but he was writing it to the next generation of the church who didn't see it, who only heard about it. They didn't have that revelation. They didn't see the things that Peter did and John did and Paul did. And he was saying, y'all heard about it. You maybe even saw it, but didn't quite understand it. He says... Don't let those things slip away from you. 
What things? Well, it tells us in Hebrews 1. Don't let the fact that God at various times and in divers and different manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. There was a time where God spoke to the church or to his people, that is, the Jewish nation and all, through prophets. That's what he's saying here. Verse 2, it says, Hath in these last days spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom, you have, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, but whom also he made the worlds, who, Jesus, being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of the person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath an inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. He says, don't forget, don't let it slip that Jesus is the Son of God. It's not a story about somebody, it's the real deal. And if you're not careful, because you weren't there, you only heard about it, or maybe you were there, but you was a child and didn't quite understand what was going on. Could it possibly be you'll let these things that you know slip away? And he's saying this about it. He says, it's not that you oppose the word of God. It's just indifferent. It's not as important to you as it was to them. And so I look at the church today. And I came to the church in 1979. Actually, it was 1980, but I came to know the Lord in November 79. Started going to church in 1980, in January. And I came in on the back end of what was called the charismatic movement. Now, I'm going to tell you some truths, okay? They had the worst sounding music I'd ever heard. Outside of the old-time gospel. It was bad. They didn't have any very good equipment. If they had drums, it was somebody that they had left out at the street to be hauled off by the trash person. Sound system was always popping, and, and they didn't nobody know how to operate a soundboard. They didn't have half the stuff hooked up right. They, they, didn't have, they had those little overhead projectors that you stick the little transparencies on and shine it up on the walls, and, and, and you know, didn't have a computer. I used to do the little overhead things, I remember. And they were bad when you put them upside down. And then when you look up there, it's like, oh, and switch it around because nobody was singing, you know. I mean, had all of this kind of stuff. You know, we didn't know what we were doing. The guitar players didn't really know how to play, but they just acted. They faked it or something, you know, and, 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 and we sang the best we could. And they were usually, you know, songs that just weren't very deep, but, but they, were, they were good songs. Matter of fact, those songs are still with me today. I'm out here sometimes walking the parking lot, and I'm still singing those same old songs because, see, it was Scripture songs. It's who I am songs. Now, here's what I'm getting at. We didn't have very good equipment. But we had to move God. People were getting healed. Devils being cast out. Families being restored. Things were happening because we didn't get together to hear a concert. We got together to hear about Jesus. We came wanting to have an encounter with God. We didn't come to talk football. We didn't come to talk about COVID and, and, and all the other mess that's going on in the economy and the border. We came together to talk about what Jesus was doing in our lives. 
We got up talking Jesus, went to bed talking Jesus. And guess what took place? Jesus moved in people's lives. And weren't even at church. And we'd come and we'd tell stories and share stories about how, how this happened at work and this happened at the grocery store and this happened over such and such. And guess what? My cousin up in Michigan, this took place in their life and, and people would be happy and excited. Now, either God's not doing anything anywhere anymore or we just don't talk about it. And we got sophisticated. Now, I'm talking about doctrinally wise back then. It was a mess as well about a lot of stuff. You hear me? So I'm, I'm telling you the truth. There was some doctrine back then that was just plain out and out stupid. And it wasn't of the devil. The devil couldn't even come up with this type of stuff. This was man-made stuff out of ignorance. Didn't stop God's moving, though, because people were wanting a move of God. And the word of faith was strong, and it was true, and the things that were of God was true, and people stood and they believed what the word said. Why? Because there was only one person besides Jesus that really, really went around talking faith and teaching faith. I mean, you read the scriptures in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, guess what happens? Jesus, everywhere he went, was about faith. He says, why is it your faith is puny? How come you don't have any faith? According to your faith, let it be done unto you. He was always teaching them about their trust towards God and his word and what he said. Brought out the fact that him and his word are the same thing. So if you trust my word that's in your lap, then you trusted me. And if you trusted me, you trusted the Father. And he emphasized that all the time. Everywhere he went. The only other person ever, 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 that came close to even ministering about faith as much as Jesus was the Apostle Paul. Was the Apostle Paul. You read that two-thirds of the New Testament is filled with him talking about faith. Now think about it. But one of the things that was taught back in that day was if you got enough faith, you'll never have another problem. Apparently, they didn't read very far in their Bible because everywhere Paul went, there was a mess stirred up, and they tried to kill him. They left him beaten ahead, left him shipwrecked, stoned, whooped him, did all kind of things to him everywhere he went. But for some strange reason, because of ignorance, because we, weren't, we were growing in the things of God, the word was taught. Now, I never did it because I, I, I just, I did, you know, I'm just there listening. But I heard it where people would say, if you got enough faith, you'll never have another trouble. And I thought, well, that, that sounds good. And, of course, I always walked around thinking, I must not have enough faith. I must not have much faith. But the Bible plainly tells us that we have in the same spirit of faith. Oh, we got the same spirit of faith? Well, I must not know where mine is. I must have left it in my sock drawer or something because I... I ain't feeling it today. I ain't got it. There were things said like this. Name it, claim it. Blab it and grab it. Confess it and possess it. And even this from preachers, from pulpits. Fake it till you make it. Now being a young Christian, I had more sense than this. I'm sitting there and thinking... 
Now, you know, I was a drug dealer, and I know a con when I see one. And that's fake it till you make it stuff. Are you faking it now? Now, that's me. Now, I know Jesus is real because he came in my room. I know he's real because he's done things in my life. I know that, but you I don't know so much about. What's this fake it till you make it? Because my Bible tells me that when you pray, believe you received. If you received it, why are you faking it? You already have it. So I just kind of like was like, I just don't know about these things. And I just watched those type of people and cliches from f listening to those kind of people. And just the thought that you're going to have faith and you'll never have another trouble, I'm like, I don't buy that. Because, see, I've been reading my Bible. I've been spending time in there. And I said, Lord, I heard them say that, but I'm seeing something different here. I mean, they even tried to throw you off the cliff a few times. They weren't too happy. That's why it was the year of opposition there, uh, your last year. So if it's about that, so it just didn't set right. It didn't resonate. I want to know what did God say. Now, here's the thing about faith that I wanted you to get a hold of today. It don't matter what you're faced with. You use your faith. It don't matter how long you go through it. Use your faith. No matter what the situation, circumstances, whether it can't be too small or too big, use your faith. In other words, what? Trust God. Now, he said, the just shall live by faith. You are the just, and that's not going to change. God's word's not going to change, so what has to change is how we live. Amen? Thank you for your enthusiasm. But if you really want to, what time is it? 11.30? Oh, okay. I got time. All you got to do is go over to Genesis chapter 12. Go, why don't you do that? Put, can you put up Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 up there? It says, Now the Lord hath said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land that I will show you. Huh. So the Lord said to Abram, Get thee out of the country. In other words, leave where you are. And he wasn't talking, I'm not saying that every person needs to leave their hometown, and their country, and their family, and all of that, and go to where God shows you, but God's got a place for you. And you know what? It's quite obvious, not there at the beginning. And if you're going to get to your destination, you're going to have to leave where you are in order to get there. And we're not talking location. We're talking about attitude. We're talking about thinking. We're talking about the way you go about doing things. He's got a place for you. And he said, you're going to have to leave where you are in order to get there. I had to leave the drugs behind and that lifestyle in order to get to where I am today. Did God have this for me? Yes, he did. He had it for me all the way back here before I was ever in drugs. But guess what happened? I had to leave this place to get to the next place. And again, I want to say, you're not talking about your job and, and not talking about your, your, the where you live and the person that you are married to and all that kind of stuff because I know somebody's thinking, yeah, that's what I need to do. No, no, it's not. If you'll get right, and leave where your thinking is, and leave that sort of thing, and move on into what God has for you, you'll get there. And let me just say this, 
if you already got it, I mean, if where you are, you already have it, then you don't have to move. But, but God didn't say that, did he? He said, you're going to have to leave from where you are. And you know what happened? Same thing was true with Isaac. He had to leave there and go down to, to Gerah when there was a famine in the land. There's always going to be something come up in your life. Oh, you mean Isaac, the great man of faith there, was willing to lay his life down for, on the altar there and let his daddy Abraham offer him up to God? He had to leave where he was at? Yeah. Because there was a famine in the land. So he left. And some of the things you read, you'd be shocked what took place. God never said nothing about it. Lied, told him that his wife was his sister. Said, oh, I thought that was Abraham. He did it too. He probably learned it from his daddy. So guess what happened? He, he, he you know, he left where he was at. Jacob, did he not have to leave his home? Did he not have to go to Laban's for 20 years? Sure. Did Joseph have to leave his household and go and be in Egypt? In order to get where God's going to have you, you're going to have to leave where you are. So your thinking, the way you go about doing things, your attitude and all, you have to realize maybe what I need to do in order to get where I need to be is leave where I am and be willing to do so. Now You have to chew on that for a while. Because if you got it, okay. But if you hadn't got it, well, maybe some things need to take place, some changes in your thinking. My, that's mainly with me, it was the thinking, my attitude. So here it is. In Hebrews, he says what? He said, watch it that you don't lose what you know. So he's telling the second generation church this. So here it is in the charismatic movement. Things were just rocking along. And guess what happened? Churches started prospering, started being blessed. People were coming in. Why? Because God's moving in the house. Things were happening. But you know what? We could have a better service. We had a different sound system. That thing stinks. What does ZZ Top have? Let's get one of them. Huh? We don't need an overhead projector anymore like this thing here. Why don't we do like they do on TV? Let's get one of them things they got in Vegas. You know, we'll get one of those overhead, you know, with the real deal type things. And so the church, nothing wrong with having good equipment, better equipment. Matter of fact, we ought to have the best. But having all that good equipment didn't bring God into the house. The people brought God into the house. Are you hearing me? The great guitar players and the drummers and the singers, the dancers, flag twirlers, all kinds. Of, I've seen it all. Okay? They didn't bring people into the church. It brought some and some it run off. But what people really need is God in the house. And the way God gets in the house is because you brought him in the house. Because this piece of real estate here could be a flea market tomorrow. But God in you is why God showed up. If God don't live here. When we all go home, he goes home with us. He don't sit up here and, and wait all week. I sure wish my people would come home. I wish they'd come visit. Well, he don't do that. Now, I was raised thinking in the Catholic Church that he stayed in that little tabernacle behind the altar where they took the 
the Eucharist and set it in there in a the, the little chalice and they went and they put it up in there. I was altar boy for 12 years, I know. And I thought that's where God stayed in that. And there was little gods everywhere all around the, every Catholic church and they went in there and they stayed in there. I was even afraid to look in there before Raiders of the Lost Ark because I'm like, okay. I, and I would look and I'd peek to see if I could see him in there. You know, as he opened it up, you know, I'd be looking, maybe I can get a glimpse of God in there. But I knew that scripture verse that says, if you see God, you ain't going to live. So I just do it with one eye. <laughs> Foolishness. But wasn't it foolish for us to think that if we got a better sound equipment and better overhead projectors and nice computers and state-of-the-art equipment, that God would come? And so the church prospered and grew and, and it's got that. And I'm watching and we got another generation coming up. And it's not that the kids don't believe you in what God did in your life. They're not opposed to any of it. It's just a little indifferent. It's like, you know, I, yeah, I understand. Yeah, that, that's all good. I know it was, I know it was, I know it was real. I, I know mama got healed. I know daddy got raised. I know, I, I know all this stuff. But, you know, it just isn't relevant to them. Why? Why? What is it that they have let slip? And you know what? It can happen to the very people who saw it firsthand. About 20 years ago, I was standing about right here. And a lady would come every week with one of those walkers. And she would come in, and she, it'd take her five minutes to get from the door to right over there where Ken sits with that walker. No joke. Every week she came. And one Sunday morning, the Lord says, I want you to call sister so-and-so down here and lay hands on her and pray for her. Was anybody here that night, that day? You were? You were? Y'all that hear the horn? Y'all here that day? It was Lamar Golden's cousin. Were you here, Kim? Okay. And the Lord says, I want you to call her down and pray for her to be whole. Now, I want you to know, being the kind of guy I am, I'm like, I'm shaking in my socks. I don't know as I want to do that. Besides, well, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I'll pray for her. And so I started to go. I wanted to walk back there to it. He said, no, you have her walk down front. And I asked God a question. He didn't answer. But I said, do you know how long it's going to take her to walk down there? What are we going to do? Just all stand there and look at her as she barely comes back and everybody's going to be saying, well, pastor, why couldn't you walk back there to where she was at? She's the one that can't hardly walk. That was running through my mind. And so I, I walked over to the edge, over to this side. I didn't dare go down the aisle because God said no. I said, well, I'm going to walk over here and meet her up front. So she come up there. She's got the little walker. She's going... The Lord wants me to pray for you, for your legs and hip and all that. And I laid hands upon her and prayed for her. And I said, come on with me. And she got my arm, and we walked across the front here, all the way over here. And we turned around, and we walked back real slow. Got over there. We got back, let's try it again. Now I just, she's not by my, got my arm. Now I just got her by the hands, you know, blocked the hands. And we walked it. And we get all the way over there. She don't have the walker. She just got one arm holding, get support, and walked all the way back. I said, let's do it again. And I just had my hands this way with her this time. 
And we just held hands. And we walked all the way over there. And turned around and walked all the way back. I said, why don't you just try it without me now? And so she just walked all the way over there and walked all the way back. And they used to say the people that was here was going like, get down, look at this. This is exciting. And so the next trip back and forth, she kind of jogged. Can you handle that? And then, but she didn't stop when she got over here. She just turned, went down that way, and went around and, and back over there and come back up through there and she goes again. Do you remember this? So you're an eyewitness to the power of God. You're an eyewitness. You saw it with your own eyes. Have you forgot about that? I haven't. Because that's what my God did. That was my God. I don't let that slip away from me. It wasn't anything that I did. It was what God did. He just did it through me. Are you hearing me? Yet we can let that type of stuff slip away. But we were eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses. Didn't hear about it from somebody else. Saw it firsthand. Saw it first. Has anybody in here seen miracles firsthand before? Anybody? Hands up everywhere. But isn't it amazing how we can say we saw it, but why ain't we seeing it now? Is it because we've let some things slip? I think so. I think so. And see, we've gotten into all this stuff, equipment, and all these things which... Actually, you could come in here and hold a concert in here with the sound equipment that we have. And like I said, it's not the equipment that's bad. It's good. We ought to have that stuff and better. But maybe it's us. Maybe it's us. Maybe we're a second generation and don't realize that if you were a second generation, you didn't see it firsthand. You didn't grow up in it and see the miracles. And I had the privilege of doing that, okay? And I saw it. And I wanted it. And I sawed after it. And it scared the fire out of me at first. It really did. Because that was a holy God did that. And what I didn't know that I was holy because I received him as my Savior. All I saw was my sin, but it didn't stop the power of God. And I didn't get slain and, and knocked out dead because I was still having bad thoughts and, and doing dumb things and stuff like that. But yet we taught things from the pulpit that wasn't quite right. Isn't that something? But people wanted Jesus. They wanted Holy Spirit. They wanted God. We came on Sunday morning. Came early. Came and prayed. Lord, we want you. Came on Sunday night. Came on Wednesdays. Came on during the week. Have three-day meetings, four-day meetings. Every night we show up. But we don't do that anymore. We show up every day for T-ball, travel ball, all kind of other things. And we wonder why God ain't in our midst. He is. You just won't let him out. God ain't gone anywhere. He's still in you. And he's in our kids. But in order for us to understand his presence, and he is a jealous God. And we have taken things and put it before him like idols. Now I have seven televisions at my house. Yeah, I don't know why. I can't see them all at one time, but it's convenient to have them where I 
am, and I don't sleep in other bedrooms where grandkids and all are, so there, there, there's TVs in there. Marcia's even got one in her she-attic. When she's up there making Christmas decorations or doing something, there's a big flat panel TV up there. So she can have Hallmark play it. Is anything wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that. And those TVs don't own us. But I like watching the one at the pool house. But how much time do we spend in front of that thing? And what are we listening to and giving ear to? Are you hearing me? Where before, we had a, a TV. When Peter was growing up, Heidi was growing up, we had a used TV. Peter shot my first new TV I ever had with a BB gun. But we always had a used TV because TV didn't really mean that much to us. And a fellow named Joe Pauline was RCA repairman back when TVs had tubes in them. Not straws, you know, they were little glass tubes, you know, cathodes and all that stuff. Anyway, and he would, when it broke or was start messing, he said, don't worry about it, I'll bring you nothing. He said, he'd break, come out and pick up that. TV, and I had to help carry it out because back then a TV weighed 200 pounds. I mean, it was a good boat anchor. And we'd carry it out there and put it in the back of the van, and then we'd pick up another used one and bring it in. And it may work six months. Once the kids had to get up there and hold the antenna a certain way so you get a picture. Stop right there. Don't move. Every football game it snowed, even in August. That's okay. We didn't watch a lot of TV. You know why? We was, we was listening to the Word of God. We had it playing all the time. We were always reading the Word of God. We was reading this book, that book, doing it, seeking first the kingdom of God, and all these things would be added to us, and that's what we did. Well, Pastor, I kind of like my lifestyle. I'm not knocking what, you, what you're doing, or I don't, I don't even know. I'm just telling you that there was a reason for that outpouring of God's spirit it was because people sought God and I wonder what we're seeking today more money more time how is it we're seeking for more time and losing more time turn with me over to the book of Acts in chapter 28 what time oh, it's uh, 1049 got just enough time if not I'm gonna go over and dare one of you to get up. Paul told them all after he was up there, spent all this time in the missionary trips. Now I'm going to do it real quick. Said that, he said, I feel like, and it's in chapter 19, he said, I need to go to Jerusalem. And while I'm going to Jerusalem, after that I'm going to go to Rome. That's what he said. And so then in chapter 20, he gets over there and he, he calls them, he tells the people there at Ephesus, there the church at Ephesus, look, I'm going to be over there at such and such time. I want all y'all to come on down here and be here. I'm, I'm, i got something to tell you. So they all get over there, and he said, listen, I'm leaving. I wanted to let you know I've been here. It's been good. I've been here several years pastoring y'all, but now it's time for me to go to Jerusalem, and uh, I'm going to be departing. I'll probably never see any of you again the rest of my life. And they cried. And he commissioned them to take care of the, put the pastor in there and commissioned them to take care of the flock and so forth. And, and they all reminisced and all because they knew Paul. 
Paul loved them and so forth. And so they, they prayed and they said, Paul, we believe by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that if you go to Jerusalem, that evil is going to happen to you. And he says, listen, I got to go. I got to go. It's my assignment. And so we see in the scriptures that he gets in the boat and he goes on over a little bit further and, and he gets there and, and uh, they came to him. He got over there to Philip the evangelist's house. And his daughters were there. Seven prophetess were there. And, and Abigail, uh, the prophet, came down and, and met with him there. And he took Paul's girdle there and he held it there in his hands and he bound his hands and his feet. And he says, the owner of this will be bound when he gets to Jerusalem. And he prophesied it, and, it said, and then if you read there in chapter 21, it's by the Holy Ghost they prophesied this. And what did Paul say? He said, I'm bound by the Holy Spirit to go. I'm bound by the Holy Spirit to go. I know that the Holy Spirit has already told me that evil things are, 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 I will be facing in every city that I go to. I already know evil is going to happen to me. I know that they're going to do things to me when I get there. But I'm bound by the Spirit of God to go and finish my assignment to run my course. How many of us know that with us, if we get an insight, something evil is going to happen, we're going to stay home. We're going to run away. We ain't going to do that. Paul didn't. So he goes. Gets down there to Jerusalem, and guess what happens? The very thing that they said was going to happen happened they accused him of bringing in some guy from Ephesus into the to the temple and polluting it by bringing in somebody that wasn't a Jew and then they wanted to kill him kill him I mean that is that a, a, a crime worth death they're gonna kill him they made it all up because he didn't even do it so now they're gonna kill him and it says the Roman soldiers there saw it and they, they said wait a minute What's this commotion going on? We can't let this happen. And they stepped in. And it says there they were about to pull Paul apart. They were, they were beating him and, and all kind of stuff. So they had to take him and they put him up in, 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 in a castle there, in a, a place quarters there. And he came out. He spoke to him. They got mad at him again. They said, let's just kill this guy. Kill him, kill him, kill him. They hated him. The very guy that used to go get the Christians for them and have them put to death and persecuted. And they knew this, who he, who he was. He told them. He said, you people right up here on the front row here. You chief priests, y'all know who I am. I said to Gamaliel's feet. I'm the one that y'all gave the letters to to go get these people and bring them back and kill them. Isn't that amazing? So he was like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. They knew who he was. And they tried to kill him. And at one point, when they took him aside and the, and the Roman soldiers had him, it said that 40 men took an oath that they weren't going to eat or drink again until they killed him. And they were going to ambush him on the way going to Caesarea where the soldiers were going to take him. And the word came through Paul's sister's son, his nephew, heard, heard about it, so he went and told him, and they, they took 200-and-something men, soldiers, to guard and protect him to get him over to Caesarea. So he shows up with a with his own armor guard, you know. And that's something. He gets over there and he has to stand before Felix, the governor of the area. Felix brings him in. He talks to Felix. Felix really wanting a bribe. 
He said, I can't really find nothing wrong with him. And the Jews are there accusing him and all that. And they want to kill him and all. He said, I don't see anything worthy of death. But nevertheless, I'm just going to keep you in prison. So now he spent two years in jail. And they were going to beat him on the way. The soldiers were. And he said, oh, you're going to beat a Roman citizen? And they were like, not going to do that. So they went and told the chief captain. He said he was a Roman citizen. So he goes in and says, you a Roman citizen? He said, yes, I am. He said, well, un, un, unlatch, take the handcuffs off. You can't do that to, an, to a Roman citizen. Matter of fact, he says, I spent a lot of money to become a Roman citizen. Paul looked and said, I was born a Roman. I supersede you. So now he takes him. And he gets him in there. And they kept him in prison, though, to satisfy the Jews for two years. Didn't do anything wrong. What gave him time to write some New Testament? So then... Felix is about to step out of office. And Festus is about to step in. Not Uncle Festus on Adam, but a guy named Festus is about to take over. And so they get together and he shares with them about Paul. He said, well, bring him on in here. Let me hear him. So he brings him in there and he shares his testimony to Festus. He'd already shared it with Felix. Almost got him probably convinced. Festus comes. He, he's like, man, you know, this is something else. So he steps in. And no sooner did he step in, King Agrippa comes down. And he says, what's going on, Festus? He says, well, let me tell you about this guy named Paul. Well, he knew about Paul. So they get together, and all this is written in there between chapters 19 and 28. They spent that much time to tell us, so we ought to know something about it, so that's what I'm doing. I'm giving you about eight chapters today. And so here it is, they're learning. He, he, they listen, and King Agrippa said this about Paul. He said, you know, if he hadn't appealed to Caesar to stand in front of in Rome, in front of Caesar, we'd have let him go. He ain't done anything wrong. We'd have just let Paul go, and he wouldn't have had to go. But since he appealed to Caesar, he's got to go to Rome. So he gets to Rome, and he's under house arrest over there for several more years as well. But he got to Rome. Now, I said all that to say this, that on the way to Rome, he was on a boat. We'll pick up in chapter 28. It says, and when they escaped, uh, my fault, 27. And because of time's sake, we'll have to just paraphrase a lot of this. But I want you to get it. So here it is. They're having to take a ship, and they're going to their destination towards Rome. And, they had, and the storms are bad. It's the wrong time of the year to really be trying to do this. And so they were going, they left out, and they were going below Crete and so forth. And it says that they encountered some bad storms. It was a nor'easter. Bad time of year to be trying to sail a boat. And Paul told them all before he left. He said, look, this is not good. I'm recommending we don't go. And the centurion and all of them kind of listened to him. They started to ask the owner of the ship. And the owner said, we can handle it. He said, okay, fine. So they go. And they come across some bad weather. And so they're going from one little place to another. And they're, they're making slow uh, movement. They're not really able to go very fast. And they're barely getting by. And all of a sudden, they start finding themselves in a, in, a, in a bad spot. In verse 18, it says, and this is chapter 27, in case you want to put it up there. Uh, 27, Acts. Verse 18, it says, And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest the next day, they lightened the ship. And the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Just throwing out stuff. What, uh, it was held them down. Verse 20, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, no small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. Sounds like a real faith guy, don't it? 
Huh? I mean, you know, a man ain't got no faith because if he had faith, he wouldn't be in this mess, right? But after a long absence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, should have hearkened unto me and not let loose from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be a good cheer. Y'all be happy about this. For there shall not be any loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. We're going to lose the ship, but everybody's going to live. For there stood by me this night the angel of God. Listen to that. Whose I am and whom I serve. I belong to God is what he said. I know we got a storm out here of hurricane strength, but I belong to God. I know we've got this out there and that out there. I belong to God. I know we've got COVID-19 out there, but I belong to God. I know we got people coming across the border, but I belong to God. I know we got people that are messing the economy up, but I belong to God. Are you hearing me? And that's who I serve. That's where he was at. And he says, saying, fear not, Paul. Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given them all that were, that were sailing with him. He said, the angel of the Lord said, Paul, don't fret. You've got to go to Rome. You got an assignment there. You can't die here. You got to go to Rome. All hope was lost. It looked like it was bad. The home team was down. And they didn't have any communications. 911 wasn't working. No Coast Guard. They're going down. Angel appeared, and he says here, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. I believe God more than this storm. I believe God more than not being able to see the sun and the moon and the stars for days. I believe God, even though we hadn't eaten for 14 days, I still believe God. That it'll be just like it was told to me by this angel that appeared to me. How be it? We must be getting rid of some. We, how, how be it? We must be cast upon a certain island. But when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down the Adria, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drawed near to some country. And they started sounding the, you know, the horns, and they were letting it off, and there was 20 phantoms, and then it was 15 and all. And they thought, we're getting close to a place. We can't see it, but we're getting close to a place. And so some of the sailors said, hey, look, let's abandon ship. This is going, we dropped anchors in the back. Let's take this rowboat up here in the front, and we're going to lower it down. And when we get it down in the water, we're just all going to slide down, and we're going to cut it loose, and we're going to leave this bunch here on this boat, and they're going to die. And Paul was looking up there, and Holy Ghost told him, said, this ain't good. Go tell the centurion what they're doing. So they went and told the centurion, guess what they did? They went up there, centurions said, took the soldiers up there and said, cut the ropes off. Ain't nobody riding in this boat. Y'all ain't going nowhere. Stay right here. I'm just cutting through it because of time's sake. And in verse uh, 34, it says, Wherefore, I pray you to take some... No, back up. It says in verse 33, And while the day was coming on, in other words, morning time, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This is the 14th day that you have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Hadn't eaten in two weeks. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat, for this is your health. For there shall not a hair on your head, I wish I'd been there, fall from the head of you today. And when he was thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, 
he began to eat. He took communion. And they, and were, then were they all of good cheer. They'd eaten, got a little food in their belly, and they were feeling better. And they also took some meat. And we were in all in the ship, 276 people. 276 people. Hadn't eaten, now they're eating. They took the rest of the cargo, threw it overboard, took all the wheat, they lost all that, took it away. And when it was day, they knew not where the land, but they had discovered a certain creek with a shore into which they were minded, if it was possible, let's just thrust the ship right up inside that creek. We're going to run aground. Because we're out here in the midst of hurricane weather. This is not good. So what a, let's just go ahead and let's hoist up the sails, pull up the anchors, and shoot the gap. And try to get in that creek right over there where Sandy Bar, Sandy Beach's area over there. And we're just going to ram the boat right up in there and, and park it right there and we'll get out. That was their game plan. In verse 40 it says, And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made towards shore. Verse 41. Are we ready for this? And falling into a place where two seas meet, they ran the ship aground. And the forepart stuck fast and remaineth unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. Now this is a picture there. They got a destination. They see over here a creek. And we're going to just run right on over there and we're going to ram it up into that creek. Just run aground up there. And so on their way there, they came across a place in the water where two seas meet. How many of you know where you got two seas, bodies of water coming together, it's turbulent water? Huh? So they didn't see that. So on their way of going to a certain place, they ran into turbulent waters. And the turbulent waters were so bad that they hit a sandbar out there so hard and heavy, straight ahead, that the front of the boat was immovable now. It just plowed into it and stuck like they wanted to in the creek, but now they're stuck in the middle of two opposing forces, two seas meeting. How many of you know the day we're living in right now, there's two opposing forces meeting where you're stuck? Here, you're hot, you're, you got your sights set over there, and you're on your way, you're going where all you got, and now your front end is stuck. Stuck. Things were going pretty good. All of a sudden, COVID. We ran aground. You ain't going nowhere. You're locked down. You're not going to a wedding. You're not going to a funeral. You can only go to a riot. Can't, I mean, seriously. That's all you're going to be able to do. You're stuck. You can't go forward. And here it is, all this time later, and we're still stuck. Still can't go forward. Still stuck in the natural. And it says the waves from the two seas where they meet was smashing the back of the boat. And it was breaking the boat up. Think about this. Things that were behind are now destroying your boat. 
You tell me what took place during that summer when they were toppling statues and burning buildings and wanting to defund the police and all those things. They were taking the past and destroying your boat with the past. Things that happened 100 years ago, 200 years ago, and they're destroying your boat, your constitution, your rights, and, and so forth. Doing all kind of craziness. And you're stuck. You can't go nowhere. And they're tearing it all up. And they get over there. And they said, the, the, the centurions. Now, we, I, we could preach this right there for a moment, but we won't. Centurions of the different soldiers there. They said, we're going to have to kill these guys. Kill all the prisoners unless they get away and escape. And the centurion says, no, we're not doing that. Not going to do it. He was thinking Paul has to go to Rome. He's a Roman. You can't kill him. And they said this. Everybody that can swim, jump ship and swim to shore over there. And if you can't swim, grab a board. There's plenty of them laying around out here. Grab it and just get to shore. So they did so and they got over there. Okay? And when they got there, guess what? They were met by these barbarians, what it says. Chapter 28. They were met by a barbarian group of people which really weren't like Conan and all that kind of stuff. It was just the fact that they didn't speak Greek. Okay? They didn't speak Greek. And so they met them out there and they said that they were very hospitable to them. They knew it was cold and it was raining. And so they built a fire there for them. And the Bible says that Paul walked around out there and uh, let's see, it says in Barbarous People, it says, And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came out a viper, a viper came out and, of the heat and fastened on his hand. Now here it is, we've got Paul who told them, Look, we don't need to do this, just don't go. Yet they went anyway. Everything's messed up. He hadn't eaten for two weeks. They finally got to eat a meal. Then they go shipwrecked. Now another, this is the fourth time he's gone down in a boat. And it's like, come on. Now he gets over to shore. And what is he doing? Did he walk around saying, I told you you shouldn't have done this. He wasn't mad at all the people and getting on to him and all that. What was he doing? He's out picking up firewood. See that? And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, now he's serving the people. Now that's a real man of God. I'm not looking for y'all to get me warm. I'm going to warm y'all up. I'll go get the sticks. And so they went and got the sticks, and they built a fire, and he's putting them on there and to, so that the prisoners who should be dead, going to jail and all, he's he, building a fire so they can stay warm. A real man of faith. And instead of snake got a hold of him, latched on to a venomous viper. Go to the next verse. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hanging on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance serveth not to live. In other words, this guy has definitely got to be a bad dude. He might have been picking up some snake, uh, sticks, but this guy's got, he got away from the sea, but this guy's going to die. Now these people are of that island, Melita. They knew the animals and the beasts and the creatures and the snakes of that island, did they not? And so what happened was, is they're all watching. They see it. It says it right there. And when the barbarian saw the venomous beast hanging on his hand, got a snake on the hand, and they saw it, 
and they knew what kind it was. And they're looking and thinking, he ain't going to make it. That guy's dead. Verse 5. And Paul shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Just shook it off. Just shook it off. You know what we ought to be doing about this whole COVID thing and the economy and the border and all the other crap that's going on? Yeah, I said crap. Because that's what it is. Just shake it off. Just shake it off. Stay focused where we're supposed to and quit getting distracted by this. Just shake it off. Stay focused. Verse 6. Howbeit they look when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly, but after they looked a great while and saw no harm came to him, they changed their mind and said, He was a God. Nobody does this. Nobody can live being bit by that serpent. Paul just shook it off. Just shook it off. Why did Paul just shake it off? He had an assignment. His assignment was to go and stand before Caesar in Rome. No ship could take him down. No beating can take him down. No pulling him apart can take him down. Nobody was going to be able to kill him. And ain't no stupid snake going to kill me either. I'm going to Rome. We got to shake off some stuff, folks. Because there are some things that's hurting us spiritually. We need to shake those things off. Now, everybody's, well, this COVID thing. You know, listen, I'm not belittling any of it. I got it. I had it. I know. It ain't pleasant. But I knew this. I wasn't going to die. I got things to do. I got things in my heart that God's put there. And I can't die yet. I, I don't have a right to die until I finish and fulfill all that he told me to do. And some of you people in here got visions and, and dreams that, that, that are God-given not just hopes and wishes, but God-given stuff. You know it is. You've been wanting to do it all your life. It's God-given. You can't shake it off. It's there. You don't have a right to die until you fulfill it. And ain't no snake going to kill you. Just shake it off. No matter what it is. You've got to shake it off. Well, what about the economy? Shake it off. So your bank account's going to get you through? My God got me through when we didn't have two nickels to rub together. He's going to do it again. I've got a bank account, but I ain't looking to it. Man, come take it. They're trying to now, aren't they? Well, all kind of taxes and stuff. I better be keeping my eyes on my God who's standing with me, who is with me, and walks with me, and talks with me, and fellowships with me, and longs to be with me, and sits there and watches me while I'm asleep and saying, hurry up, wake up so we can talk. That's my God. That's my God. Who's just sitting there looking at him like we do a little baby, just watching them, thinking when they wake up, we'll just sit there and be able to poke at them and tickle them and all. That's the way God does us. Just waiting on us to open our eyes. So he can say, good morning. Let me show you some things today. And what do we do? Click. WSFA TV. Da, 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 da. 
Today's weather is going to be this. And God said, I, I, I really wanted to spend the first part of your day with you. I really wanted to talk to you more. I got a lot more to say than Facebook's got to say. It's going to be the same old stuff and all them ads. You don't really care to see that. You really need what I got for you. Are you hearing me? You don't need to hear about the economy and what they're doing and how many come across the border and, and this doctor and Fauci here and there. And I, you don't need, what you need to hear is I love you. I love you. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's not to die by some snake bite or being shipwrecked or being pulled apart. That's what we need. And if we'll stay focused on that and start getting back to that and understanding that when we come to this house, we bring God to this house. To stand here and I look around. The Bible de declares that every single person here has been given gifts and talents by God. And you didn't get those gifts so you could hang them on a wall somewhere at your house. You got the gift of healings given to you so that you could give other people healed. In other words, the gift never was really for you. It was for everybody you come in contact with. You didn't get the gift of, of being a financial blessing so that you could just lavish it all on yourself. It was to help meet other people. You got the gift of hospitality so you could be hospitable to people. Not to walk around and got a shirt saying, I'm hospitable. But to be that way. We got those gifts. And when we assemble together, we need to recognize the fact that, you know what? You got the God inside of you that I need. And I got the God inside of me that you need. Be quite honest with you, I don't need to hear about all that stuff on TV. I really want to hear what God has done in your life this week. And I think when we get focused back on that, get focused back on who we are, who we serve, and, and, and not let those things slip away from us, but realize, you know what? We're bringing God to the house so that the church can meet and swap gifts. We'll see a move of God. We'll see a move of God. When we get hungry and say, this is why we're coming. This is what I'm doing. I don't have time for all this other stuff. I want what God's got. If none of this other stuff means anything, I can't take none of it with me. Right? But I can take people with me. So it's about letting God be God through you. Amen. Every head bowed and eye closed. Thank you for being able to stay with me a little bit longer than normal. Like I ain't going to tell you how long. But uh, thank you for being there and not getting up. I think only one person was scared to get up and leave. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your words. It's written in this book. Your word which is you. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for truth. For what we need is truth. And Lord, I thank you that there's a stirring that's taking place within your people. A stirring. It's not a stirring to revolt, a stirring to blame, a stirring to do all these others, but a stirring within us to spend time with you. To recognize who we are, to know our assignments, 
to be built up and strengthened so that we can walk out our assignments. To bring our gifts, to give to each other, to love one another. Lord, we long to see you move in our midst in the church house. Lord, we understand and can see plainly through the scriptures that it's not about equipment. It's not about talents. It's about a desire, our desire above all things to have your presence and to be in it. So, Lord, I thank you that each week there's a building taking place in our lives. In the natural, we see that we're stuck. You know, where two seas meet, two opposing forces, we're stuck. We've run aground there in the natural. But in the spirit realm, you're there with us. And we know that no harm can come to us. We're looking to you. We're looking to you. And all the things of our past is beating our ship to pieces. We look to you. We look to you. So, Lord, I declare blessings upon the people today. Blessings of, of hope, prosperity, healing. Lord, I thank you for those that weren't able to be here today. They, they could watch it online and be encouraged. And I speak blessings, declare blessings on them as well. Thank you for healing. Thank you, Lord, as these young people go back to college. And they stand and they hear professors. And they, they hear other people talk about their lives and so forth. I thank you, Lord, that I as young people... They don't let the things that they've learned of your word slip away from them. Lord, we thank you that we're stirred up to be able to do the same in our lives. To go back and look and say, have I let things slip? Have I let things slip? And if so, Lord, we're going to go back and get them. And we're going to make it again our attention and our priority. In Jesus' name, I speak blessings on them. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.